0: Alright, and we're live. It is November 13th at 11.21 in the morning. I'm here with my friend Najee, how do you say your last name, so, uh, yeah. so, uh, Naji Soa? Soa, yeah. Soa, Najee Soa. Najee, how you been, my dude? What's, what's good?
1: Pretty great, man. How are you doing?
0: Um oh, living so the gonna dream. we're going to talk
1: about some politics
0: today? Talk about some politics, talk about some video games. I want to talk a little bit about you first. I know that you said that you've got a new job. You said you're doing cybersecurity now? Yeah, I'm doing
1: cybersecurity at Ridgeline International. It's going to be a great software gig in Tyson's,
0: Virginia. It's going to be a good time. Come back in December. Word. Yeah. Um, how have you been in Nashville? Oh, uh, real good, man. I'm uh, getting ready to move back. But, you know, in, the, uh, in recent months, I just joined up a church. Joined up with a church that was a uh, church plant. So it's like brand new. Been helping them set up with their services and so forth. Um, you know become a Christian in the past couple of months as well. So that's been a very exciting journey. And I don't know, it's been very um, fulfilling and brought a lot of peace for me personally. So, excuse me. So that's been wonderful. That's great,
1: that's great.
0: Yeah, hear. and then uh, when, when I do move back up to Virginia in December, uh, I'm bringing one of my boys that I met down here named Sam with me. So I a little bit of a new experience himself. That's exciting, that's yeah, really man. exciting.
1: That's just good to hear overall. All right. So,
0: um... Alright, so... Fallout, sorry, what were you saying? My bad.
1: Fallout 76, right?
0: Yeah, so I wanted to start out with video games, man. So, I don't really play much anymore, and I I know that I've shat on video games and people who play them quite a few times in my recent tweets, but one of my dirty little secrets and guilty pleasures is the Fallout series. And since I played Fallout 3, I was just like in love with them. I was like, holy shit, this is like an amazing game. I've always loved like the kind of post-nuclear um, I don't know, it's just like a post-nuclear storyline. Yeah.
1: You know, like exactly.
0: after nukes go off that and so forth. What are you saying?
1: That 50s
0: aesthetic is just amazing. Oh, yeah. I love it. Oh, dude, the rocket cars with the 50s music and everything's already been nuked and everything and it's like 22, 70, whatever the fuck. Oh, it's, I love it as well. But, uh, yeah, so like I played, you know, played the shit out of Fallout 3, got all the DLC, did the same thing for New Vegas. I've uh, been doing the same thing for Fallout. Well, actually, that's not true. I didn't play Fallout 4 as much because I felt like that uh, it wasn't as well put together. It kind of felt yeah. like Skyrim, that was more clunky and like in the future, in terms of like the crafting and so forth, and then like having to maintain the settlement. So was just kind of kind of shitty in my opinion. I just I don't know, I didn't like it. I was like, dude, I don't want to like I just want to play this game on easy mode. And run around and shoot things and not die very much and not have to worry about taking care of these fucking settlers in these settlements that can't grow to build their own the food. Settlement
1: and craft devices. That's not what you play Fallout
0: for. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't want to have to go build a bed for my five settlers in this fucking little town. Okay, like that. That sucks. Um, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, so I've been super hyped. I've actually been playing Fallout for past couple days just because it's the one that I'm not as well versed with. <laughs> Uh, and getting myself hyped for Fallout 76, which, um, I don't know, are they doing 76 in VR? Do you even know?
1: I have no clue if they're doing 76 in VR. Um, Oh,
0: dude, that would be sick. That would be insane. Fallout 76 VR. Could you imagine that? You and your fucking friends? Let's see, will there be VR? Oh, give me an answer here. Give me something quick. Just today, we've seen a brief trailer of the game, giving us some hints about the game. Fuck, I don't care about that. Just give me the answer to VR. Um, As of right now, no confirmation yet. Well, that's disappointing, but could you imagine that? A giant MMO with all your homies and you're all running around in VR. It would be. It
1: would be absolutely insane. And hopefully it comes out later, like with uh, Fallout 4 and Skyrim. Yeah. Um. There's always, like, hope for an add-on. Yeah. But, like, what do you think the implications are, like, in general of using VR, like, sensory-wise for humans? I feel like that's a new step.
0: Right. Well, all of that
1: information.
0: Yeah, dude. I mean, we talked about this for a second, and I think you said that you've done VR before as well. I've, uh, my parents have a PlayStation 4, and they have a VR headset or two, and I was up there visiting um, probably about a year ago. A yeah, year and a half ago and when they had first gotten it, they were like yo like you have to try it out and i was like all right cool yeah. so i threw on the headset and it was uh it was first some um, it was like a little trailer for like a horror game like a scary game and uh so i you know i'm just like sitting down in the chair in my living room and i put this headset on like we have the surround sound system is pretty good so uh, i was just like uh, the just the immersion and the like how immediately your brain flips from going Oh, I'm in reality playing a video game to going, okay, like we're in this world where scary things are happening is like, it's immediate, dude. It's like as soon as you put on that headset and you can start looking around and you only see, you know, the digital world that you're in now. Um, Yeah, it was actually really disorienting for me. I could only do it for like 10 minutes before I had to take it off and like kind of recalibrate myself to reality. I was like, whoa, like, okay, that is... That is something right there. And the game that we were trying out was actually really low quality in graphics. So like something, you know, that would get, you know, up to like, you know, 1080p, maybe 4k, like I couldn't imagine something where you can walk around and like see the blades of grass and shit like that. That would be,
1: I feel like that would almost be too much for like the average human,
0: mm-hmm. or like
1: the average person. I've actually been like in contact with uh with a data scientist over at Microsoft. And he has a theory that like humans aren't meant to process that much extra information at right. once um with these new sensory tools. Uh, he's actually a big uh advocate of neurogenesis, uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like nootropics, that type right. of thing. Right. Yeah. Are are you familiar with those?
0: I am actually. Yeah, I've known about nootropics since I was nootropics, nootropics, however you pronounce it, since yeah, I was how like it goes. Since I was like uh sixteen years old or so. I haven't um I've taken Alpha Brain before. You know, Joe Rogan supplement that he advertises. Uh, I haven't done any of the ones like um, the Racetams or... um, I can't think of other ones off the top of my head. But I have taken them before and I am aware of them, yes. So what, does he think that VR will be like damaging or just kind of like overload and short-circuit your brain or... He believes
1: that uh, people can only handle that for so long. So, uh... His uh, big thing is ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. That's what he ad- He's one of those people. He advocates for ayahuasca a lot. And he believes that uh the extra neurogenesis that you get from it, the extra neurons, will help you process that information for a longer time. No. So like you said, you could only handle it for like uh, five to ten minutes mm-hmm. before you had to take it off. The goal is like in the future, you have all these different scenarios you want to be in say you're a fighter pilot and you're remotely controlling five planes right you need to be able to switch from plane to plane like that right and not get disoriented that's, like, what, that's what
0: i'm talking about that's what i'm yeah. talking about man i think that as vr advances it's going to start becoming more and more like we just work ourselves into the matrix more or less you know you know what i'm saying like you I just said it numbers. and that's a that's a great way to put it yeah you just like you know you have like five drone planes and you just have one dude with this mask on that just go boop, 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 switch between the five. You get less manpower yeah. per vehicle. You get less, uh, you know, I guess that would be like in times of war, less um, casualties. Risk to, yeah, right. risk to loss of life
1: right there. Yeah. Any way you can keep our troops safe. That would be great. It was just Veterans Day yesterday. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, did... So you said that he said that you get uh, neurogenesis from ayahuasca. Is that scientifically proven? Did you get new neurons?
1: Yes, it is. Uh, I actually have the National Institute of Health article. I just
0: <coughs> said <it> your way, <coughs> please do because yeah. I. That's very interesting, and I'm aware of like ayahuasca and psychedelics as well. I know that um, psilocybin mushrooms just got approved by the FDA for third round trials for treating um, depression and PTSD. And yeah. uh veterans i believe and exactly. i think mdma did the same thing which is molly or ecstasy if you know if you don't know that yeah
1: mdma word. like once or twice a year really helps ptsd for veterans yeah mm-hmm. I, i've heard the same research um yeah i just sent that article your way Sweet. um yeah ayahuasca in general is just exploding in the veteran community It's exploding among scientists right now. It's really being heavily studied. And uh, just in terms of VR, the implications for any proxying of a task is amazing. So it's not just like fighter pilots. Mm -hmm. You could be coding on five computers at once. Right. You could be uh, solving that problem on like a train track somewhere Right. Without having a physical man there, you have a drone there just working on Right. It. Imagine
0: that. Well, yeah, especially with the, uh, the Boston Dynamics shit they're making, dude. Have you seen that video of that robot with, like, the battery-powered backpack? Like, it has no cables attached to it, and it's, like, fucking doing parkour, jumping, like, four feet in the air from box to box. It's like, holy shit, like, the Terminators. This is the early stage we of so the Terminator, bro. Like, we are fucked.
1: We are so fucked. I- imagine squaring
0: up with that robot. Like Dude, just imagine if that robot had two machine guns strapped on its arms. That's a wrap. You, That's yeah, a wrap. exactly. You're done. That's game over. But yeah, having to square up with that shit, just trying to punch a giant hunk of metal, and all of a sudden it's got this hydraulic thing that goes, puts a hole through you like some Mortal combat shit. That, it's done, too much. It's, it, it honestly is too much. I love <laughs> to see
1: like UFC Boston dynamic matches.
0: <laughs> <laughs> And you can show up and get in free with your little Boston Dynamics dog.
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you come through with like, a, with like a Boston Dynamics bot with like a miss, missile launcher on the arm. That's how it all starts. That's how it all starts right there. Missile launcher on one arm, a pistol on another.
0: Mm-hmm. Old-fashioned Western duel <laughs> in the UFC ring. <laughs> well, you got to get ballistic shields instead of the cage. <laughs> <laughs> exactly man Hopefully so we get All right. yeah so um so actually this just came to mind but uh i've heard a lot of people talk about um automation and ai and how you know this is kind of like i guess goes into the frame of vr and the boston dynamics robots i've heard a lot about how ai and automation of like machines and robots and so forth uh will like kill like I got to stop saying like so much will kill the job market for a lot of lower skilled jobs. Like right now, the high, the, excuse me, right now the job with the highest employment rate for men, I believe it was is driving like driving big rigs and delivering stuff and you know, just deliveries, driving back and forth and so forth. Yeah, sure. And as soon as we get automated cars, theory is that, that, you know, career path is going to be dead because it will just be handled by robots will be more efficient uh timely or just less human error in there you won't have to stop to pee and so forth um i've heard it theorized that that's going to you know really kill the job market for a lot of human beings that maybe necessarily don't have a lot of higher level skills like being able to code on a computer or just do some things that are a little bit more heady and i think i've been thinking about that and i used to think along those same lines but now i'm starting to think the other way in that people always used to believe the same thing about computers and the internet and That's that hasn't person. really killed the job industry you know it's killed some jobs just because exactly. they become easier to do on a computer but it's also created many many more and it's just kind of transformed our way of life as opposed to you know completely disrupting and ending it as we thought that it was you know it's more of just an evolution i think the same thing's going to happen with automation and i'm not exactly sure how it's going to roll out but i i don't think it'll be the be-all-end-all all of like work for humans what do you think about that
1: i completely agree with you i feel like it's definitely you have to approach it from an evolutionary perspective so uh the truck drivers may be going away but the people who manage those trucks mm-hmm. and do the i.t specialization for mm-hmm. those trucks that's only going to go up you see the same thing in the healthcare industry you know what you see the death of more and more hmm. that uh the assistant who just like brings your
0: your clip. materials from one place to another right it's going away more and more or
1: the assistant who keeps track of all the inventory that's all automated
0: now right so what you have is a lot of nurses a lot of mid-level generalized jobs that are coming up mm-hmm. and and those are going to replace those uh low skilled jobs in the job market what i'm worried
1: about is Oversaturation in those new markets that are created. There are lots of people who want to be nurses. There are lots of people who want to be IT specialists, and I feel like it's going to be crowded and a low-paying job in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it doesn't. That's not the case, but that's how the economy rolls.
0: Right. Well, I think it'll just sort of come out to be what it. I think it'll just come out to an average, you know, I think it'll just come out to be what it should be, you know, quote unquote, um, because right now, you know, or maybe five years ago as a data scientist for computers and so forth, you know, you're coming out of college with a computer science degree, still a very in demand field. There's more job openings than there are people coming out with a degree. So there's always a hiring. There's a shortage in the job market in terms of people you can hire. So, you know, you can come, you can walk into a place with a college degree that you just got and say, Hey on 80k a year benefits and one week off every month and they'd be like word all right cool we need you hop on but yeah i think that uh like you said as that saturation comes you know they'll be like we could give you that or we could give this guy 50k a year and he only wants the weekends off like a normal person so we're gonna go with him instead and i think yeah we will start to see that equalization of the pay
1: another thing you have to watch out for in the tech industry is a lot of uh companies are outsourcing or better yet, I don't know if this is a term. insourcing, Well, where they'll import like uh, people here on work visas to do their coding for them. I believe uh, the yeah. current president is trying to curb that.
0: Yes. A lot. Correct. Um. Yeah, with the H one B visas or H one B one or something like that.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Um. It's as a company, I could see how they do it. It's not good for, uh, the people who
0: already live here in the country. I agree. And I don't think it's good for company morale either. (coughs) Not necessarily (coughs) at all. Excuse me. Because, uh, yeah, because, you know, if you're working, and all of a sudden you're getting a bunch of these people from a different country that are coming in to work with you, and they're working cheaper, and they'll more than likely work longer hours because they're getting paid more here than they would be in their home country. You know, it's like, oh, shit, well, how long until my job, you know, just gets canned to somebody else?
1: yeah exactly um that's uh that's a that's a threat down the road but uh i feel like automation right now is still the biggest it's the biggest threat and i don't see
0: politicians looking for any solution to it dude that's because politicians are all old fucking turtles that don't know anything about technology i was last year i was watching um some congressional conferences on bitcoin when i had my previous job in construction and it um you know i've luckily had like a lot of free time where i was just kind of able to sit down and watch a lot of these live streams and so forth and watching yeah watching these people that are like you know 70 plus years old that have been these career politicians and in the senate or the house for you know since they were i don't know 20 30 whatever um Trying to talk about this technology, that they just have no understanding of at all. I remember I was watching. I think it was Nancy Pelosi. She was um, she was talking during this one of these live streams, and she was just like, uh, oh, "Fuck! What what were they talking about exactly?" It was something to do with Bitcoin, and I can't remember what exactly it was in reference to. But her statement was like, "I need to make sure that people's four hundred one k's, their pensions, their Social Security benefits, etc., are all going to be safe." And I just remember, I like, I was there was a you know a chat going on to the side of the video, and I just stood up and I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And literally at the same time that I stood up and threw my hands up in the air, everybody in the live chat was like, oh my god! Like she just has no, no reference for what is going on here. Like she's just completely in her own vacuum and unaware of what's happening. And uh, that the same seemed to go for all of, but like two people that were in there that were the, obviously, you know, the younger guys that were probably in their mid to late forties.
1: Isn't that crazy? Isn't that weird how we vote people in? Like it's a one position to handle all of these roles that they're not experts in. Right. How crazy is that? Like what other job does that happen?
0: Uh, yeah, you got me, man. <laughs> you got me.
1: Like any any other
0: place, you'd be fired. You'd, you'd flat be fired. You don't know what you're talking about. All right, hold don't on. Judge. All right, hold on. We're gonna pause this real quick. All right, we're back live. Got some more coffee, and Skype is back up because it crashed in the 20 seconds that I went to go get some coffee. But um, yeah, man, the whole the whole career politician thing has been something that's been starting to bother me a lot more as well. And I know that it's become a a big talking point. Or, uh, quite a few people or maybe it just has been for a while now and I'm just now starting to pay attention but uh yeah term limits for like the Senate and House and maybe some of the judiciaries and so forth I can understand them having a, uh, a lifelong position maybe a little bit more than members of the House and Senate but yeah I mean these people that have been in the house for like you know 40 plus years and you never hear anything about their their careers because they're just kind of doing what they can to stay in there and survive it's uh you know, it's just dirty it's gross. It is dirty. Especially it's when they start disgusting. Especially when they come out, you know, they're publicly paid, you know, they're getting paid by the public by taxpayer money. And I think I don't know what's the average salary of somebody in the house. Like one forty K, one eighty K a year. That sounds about right. Yeah, somewhere That's around the there. But then they come the out house. with millions and millions of dollars worth of net worth.
1: Yeah. Like I That's think all social capital built up from the
0: lobbying and all right. of that as well. Yeah, and I I keep going back to Pelosi just because that's like the only name that I can pull off the top of my head right now. But I think she has a net worth of like $90 million or something like that. Or there's somebody, and I, I don't think it was Pelosi, but somebody in D.C. has like a $13 million home. And it's like, okay, you make 180 a year. Like, how how are you affording this $13 million home and these $1,000 suits that you wear, you know, every single day?
1: They're making decisions on behalf of the corporations that pay them.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's that's insane to me. And, like, have you ever thought of the impact of a career politician and how they literally come from a different time period? Like, the views and the framing of, like, where they're coming from
0: mm-hmm.
1: is 30 years dated. Mm-hmm. And they're representing today's society. Mm-hmm. I, I wish that the politicians who had the most control represented the age block with the most people in
0: mm-hmm. the country,
1: because those are the people like me and you, we're, we're young right now. Right. I feel like there are a lot more 20 year olds who are going to be around in say 10
0: years mm-hmm. than 60, 70 year olds. That's and very that's true. That that's is very true. But uh, at the same time, you know, We are also a bunch of 20 year olds. So, as 20 year olds, we're not necessarily out here making the best decisions. You know, I still have quite a few friends on my Snapchats that are, you know, that I'll see their Snapchats and then, you know, getting blackout drunk at like on a Thursday night in the middle of the week. And it's like, oh, that's why we're not running the country right now. So, I don't think we necessarily need a 67 year old in there. Yeah, like you said, you know, who grew up, uh, you know, a while ago and their mindset just kind of has crystallized. Um, I would assume probably by the time we we're, you know, I think it's the ages 35. Like, you know, your mindset really doesn't change that much regarding many things. But, uh, yeah, so maybe maybe we need to find some median age in between there and then start imposing some term limits. But, uh, yeah, I think 67, you know, 65 plus, probably a little bit too old. Anything under, I'd say, probably 28, probably a little bit too young. Yeah. Probably a little bit too young. We but, can't have uh,
1: people going to the club after
0: the hearing, right? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to run into Ron Paul at a nightclub or a bar right after I just watch him debate somebody in a fucking, yeah, in a hearing or something like that.
1: Just see Paul or Ryan at, like, a uh, vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, snap, is that you? <laughs>
0: See fucking... Yeah. Uh, see Mitch McConnell taking some beer bongs.
1: Just yeah, phew,
0: that was... the dome. To oh, man. All right, well, since we're on the topic of politics, I guess we'll go ahead and switch gears into our next topic. And uh that's communication between the, the two parties, the two sides of our political spectrum at the moment. And, uh, you know, because... Obviously, we live in very... In a, in a time where the rhetoric of such is very polarized. You know, you're either on the left or on the right and you don't get much break from either one if you say like you're in the middle you know you just kind of get really get kind of outcast at this point it seems like because uh the in-group preference of one side and the other has become so extreme that you you know it seems like you have to pick one and uh you know I definitely picked one for myself you know I'm a pretty right leaning person realized through my personality but uh what I'm also coming to realize for myself, at least, is that I think through this past year, year and a half, when I've become really, you know, sort of uh, invested in politics and trying to really pay attention to what's going on, I have um, adopted some views more to the right that I didn't necessarily support before. And now that I think about it, I still may not be so in support of. Like uh, I'm very much for <clears throat> the decriminalization of drugs and sort of just more open research into the ones that are currently like schedule one and illicit and so forth to see what can yeah. be done with them in a useful manner and that's not necessarily a right in view um but then you know there are some more things that i am actually towards the right on like uh less immigration into the country um you know very pro-gun uh pro-second amendment you know i don't think that we need more gun control and so forth and we need uh better mental health That's what we need. Yes, yeah. Well, because, uh, yeah, all of the, what what I think Reagan ended mental health institutions, and then, yeah, all those crazy people just kind of got dumped off one of the streets, and there's no real public benefits for them to take advantage of, which is something that's kind of conflicting for me because it's like, okay, these are people that can't necessarily help themselves due to the issues that they have predisposed to them. Um, But at the same time, like, you know, what don't necessarily want to spend those taxpayer dollars because i don't want the government telling me how i need to spend my money or don't think that it should be telling anybody how they have to spend their money but uh these people still need help and if you know private citizens aren't going to help them then what is to be done so um yeah i've been trying to like i don't know i guess just make myself i wouldn't even i don't even know if i'd say more to the middle but just more open to the ideas that what i think could be wrong and what could more be aware, done right
1: hmm? more aware
0: right? yeah just try and become more aware and more informed and more nuanced in my opinions i suppose as opposed to just you know spitting out these talking points and these reactions like a lot of people seem to be these days
1: yeah and uh i feel like the media only uh worsens that problem of recycled talking points that are just on cable news 24 7 that's That's, I feel like it's an added detriment to the country as a whole.
0: I think it's definitely just become audible clickbait at this point.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I don't even, I don't even listen to it. I try to only listen to like podcasts and stuff where I can get, you know, like an hour of solid information. As opposed to just, you know, these quick, like, 30-second clips here and there. Like, oh, Trump said this, you know, this happened, this happened, this happened, da 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 And it's just this constant input to make you, uh, you know, kind of redline your anxiety and stress and go, holy fuck, like, our country's going to explode. In reality, open your front door, look around. There's some people walking around in the streets, walking their dog. Kids are probably running around playing. Maybe not right now. It's pretty cold out. But our country isn't exploding out on fire unless you live in, like, Portland, where Antifa is harassing people in the streets. But, on the whole, you know, things seem to be pretty okay. I think there are definitely some things that we need to watch out for. Like I said, like Antifa, like, uh, you know, just some militant groups rising because of the current stress that we have going on in the country. But uh, all in all, I think that it's really just a communication issue, which is what I wanted to get to originally before I went off on that long tangent. Um, To me, it seems that the communication between the right and the left is becoming more and more far apart and less and less able to happen and that's because these you know these two sides have such diametrically opposing viewpoints on things like on the left the typical viewpoint is like we need to let everybody well i don't let's say we need to let everybody in but we need uh less strict borders and we need to let i guess yeah it would be let more people in you know be able to help them because we are America you know great country kind of the breadbasket of the whole world, you know, we have a lot of Just stuff that we're able to give a lot of land That's able to be lived on and much better circumstances in our country than say somewhere. That's like second or third world um, At the same time if you start, you know, and on the right, it's like, you know, we need less of that We need to focus on ourselves. We need to focus on uh, correcting our country and the elements that we have going on within and yeah, the difference between those two viewpoints, and you know, other ones like gun control, um, pro-life versus pro-choice. Uh, you know, typically, if somebody says I'm on the right or I'm on the left, you can peg exactly what they're going to think on all those issues, and because they tend to be the opposite, the communication between those two sides is very, uh, very small, and there can be a lot of hostility. Like I was telling you earlier, you know, if somebody yeah. from the left t- tries to come into a group of people that are you know on the right they can be ostracized. And likewise with the group of people on the left if somebody from the right come in, they can also be ostracized. And I know this because I myself as, as somebody on the right have been ostracized from like these left groups. But what I've also noticed is that when you have somebody that you've been friends for, um, that's not just based on politics or, you know, your, your friendship transcends that and they vouch for you for that other side. Like, you know, if I have a group of, you know, many friends that are, you know, more left-leaning of course. And, you know, if I'm around some of their friends that are also left-leaning and they don't necessarily know me, and then they find out that I'm a, like, you know, right-wing or Trump supporter, whatever you would like to, you know, throw the tag on. However
1: you
0: like to. Yeah, however you like to spin that flavor. Um, <clears throat> you know, they'll be like, oh, like, oh. And, you know, they'll just kind of, like, give me that face. You know, they'll be like, oh, like, you you support Trump? Like, what the fuck? And, you know, they'll just kind of, like, start to, I guess, like, size me up and view me as the other but then as soon as that friend that I've been friends with for a couple of years comes in like, oh, no, 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 like he does like Trump, you know, he's more right wing. But like, you know, Jack's a super chill guy, you know, he's not like racist or sexist, or whatever it is that you may be thinking. Um, you know, just give him a chance to talk to him and then like some actual discussion goes on from there. You know, it's almost always you can find some common ground and then you can start getting along with each other. And so I think that it is really just a matter of um, communication at this point that needs to be resolved.
1: And I think it's really important that interactions like that happen, like people vouch for you. Because when people vouch for you, they're able to not just look at those issues and go, oh, he stands on one side or another, but really say, all right, well, why does he think that? Right. Like, what's what's going on here? And I feel like that's the question not being asked enough. Why do people hold the views that they hold? Mm-hmm. I feel like that would bring some consensus.
0: Right yeah yeah a lot of that's actually just due to like uh personality traits you know anything about like psychology the big five personality yeah. traits
1: like the infp and
0: I no like those. no not that one that's uh that's the Myers briggs test and talk talking about like uh conscientiousness extroversion neuroticism openness and agreeableness
1: yes i've heard about
0: those yes yeah, so those are the big five traits and uh, i've heard um dr jordan peterson talk about this People that are high in conscientiousness and low in agreeableness tend to be, uh, very conservative, meaning that like, you know, these are people who are typically very organized, very industrious. that so, like they get a lot of things done. They, you know, just keep things in line with themselves. And then low in agreeableness means that, you know, they're going to typically <clears throat> do what it is they want to do without necessarily needing the approval of others. Um, you know, they're just kind of like people that are going to be on their own path and very strong-headed, hard-headed, doing what they want. Whereas people um, on the left typically going to be lower in conscientiousness and much higher in openness to experience or just openness overall, which means that, you know, you would be much more likely to kind of go with the flow of things, maybe not be as organized and uh, be way more into um, like breaking the the pattern and routine of things, breaking the status quo of things and trying out new things seeing what they can benefit from it and so forth um so that would be why you know they would like to you know perhaps bring in more um you know more migrants from other countries and so forth you know just try out something new kind of revamp the whole system so you actually can track it down these political differences uh, to uh, like a personality difference and obviously there'll be some outliers here and there but on the whole yeah. it's just literally just a personality difference
1: yeah um i really do like Jordan Peterson for his insight on
0: psychology in general. He's a brilliant psychologist from mm-hmm. Canada. Um, I'm actually a couple
1: hours away from him. I uh, go to school in Rochester and he ha- he's a professor in Toronto. I'm hoping to see him eventually sometime.
0: Yeah, um, me, and my, me and my roommate actually got to see him speak here when he came to Nashville with this tour with uh, Dave Rubin. We read the Ryman. So that was super really, cool. How was that? Oh, it was great, man. It was a very powerful experience. It was actually, it was funny. I, uh, I got a big old scar on my arm. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah, but I got that. I was working construction. I, like, cut it on some glass. So, like, it was that was the day of. So, like, I was sitting in the emergency room, like, looking at my watch. I was like, please, just, I need these stitches now. Like, I have to go see this fucking lecture. Like, hurry up. And uh, so we missed a little bit of Dave Rubin. But we did make it in. And it was, yeah, it was really good. That's
1: crazy. That's crazy. Um, yeah, he's... I think he's really shaping the moment right now. You're not the only person to tell me about Peterson. Within the past like couple of weeks, I've had maybe three or four people just come up to me out of nowhere and say, hey, have you heard about this guy? What? You know, really? What's going on with... I'm not joking. As soon as that interview came out with,
0: uh, I believe it was BBC. Um... Is that the one where uh, the chick tried to like corner him and like kind of yeah yeah i can't remember what her name was but yeah she tried like corner him and kind of like get him to you know have like a gotcha moment like you know she's asking these questions as like a setup and he just was not playing that game he was kind of like laughing the whole time because he could see exactly what it was in the interview and he'd just be like no like you're trying to set me up to like come out and have this vicious attack on me it's like and i'm just not going to play these games with you and she's like well no i'm not trying to set up an attack i'm just asking questions he's like yeah but you're asking them in a way you know, where it would set me up to, you know, be very vulnerable to this, that, and the other. Is that the one that yeah. you're talking about? Exactly. That's,
1: that's the one I'm talking
0: nice. about. Nice. Yeah, I'll try to find, um, for listeners, I'll try to find a link to that and add it in the bio of the podcast once it gets posted. So.
1: But, yeah, he's a, he's a really competent guy. Um, I think uh, how I describe him is, uh, you know Ben Shapiro, you know how he's really good at debating? Mm-hmm he has he has some stuff like Ben Shapiro's good at debating Jordan Peterson he he has substance behind his debate so he's more Mm -hmm. of a logical type of guy he's not just a I'll hit you with fact for fact he's more of a I have an ideology I'm organizing the way I speak around this ideology Mm -hmm. and you can ask questions about it but I thought it through so it's going to be hard to
0: find a fault right Yeah, Yeah. he also seems to be much more of a um, thinking out loud kind of person. Like you can just kind of see his brain, like the gears in his brain cranking in a lot of these interviews when you watch him, you you know, he'll take a second, kind of put his head on his chin and like kind of look down at the floor, focusing real hard for a second before he says anything. Yeah, you can just see him like just working. Exactly, exactly. Um, Yeah,
1: great stuff, great stuff. But where do you think that type of movement is going to bring the country? Because if it's me and you as young men um, listening to Jordan Peterson, and mm-hmm. there are other people around me in Rochester, Tennessee, Northern Virginia listening, mm-hmm. this, where do you think that's going to bring us, say, 10 years from
0: now? Um, I think that hopefully we will have uh, much more, I want to say, like, responsible. Uh, group of individuals, I suppose, you know, like, um, my parents seem to grow up in like, you know, they grew up like in, their were teens in the eighties, you know, in their late teens in the eighties. And so a lot of that was just, you know, sex, drugs and rock and roll. And, uh, <clears throat> I don't think that there was a lot of, hmm, I don't even know if I could say that, but I feel like there wasn't as much, hmm, I feel like there wasn't a lot of parental supervision going on. I don't think there is now either but i think that um i think that we us younger individuals nowadays can realize that a little bit more you know we can kind of look around and on like the a much larger scale because we have the internet and this you know worldwide form of communication where we can kind of see everything at once more or less go oh holy shit like nobody's paying attention like this is all just fucking going off the rails here this is you know we live in a nutty world And so I think that that is the reason for a lot of, like, anxiety and depression that's going on nowadays. And a lot of the uh, mental health issues that people are having, I think it's, like, one-third or two-thirds of the country is on, sort of, psychiatric, like, supplement. Um, And, you know, like, I think it's 40 or 50 percent has some sort of psychiatric disorder. Uh, I think that Jordan Peterson and his message that he's trying to promote will help people kind of check themselves and become a little bit more responsible and self-reliant. You know, go okay. Like I actually should exercise and eat right and make sure my shit is clean and like I'm on, get to things on time. Like actually get them done and care about them, as opposed Be to just kind of like fucking being, off right? until you're in your thirties. Do what?
1: Be a functional human being, right? I yeah, that's being exactly.
0: Overlooked in all of this. Exactly. Just it's making crazy. sure that you can take care of shit, take care of business. I feel like uh,
1: society hasn't promoted that viewpoint since, say, maybe maybe the 50s reagan tried to bring it back in the 80s it tried to bring back that family unit that type of uh, structure in america but we've been destructured
0: destructured since the 70s mm-hmm. since that whole uh, cultural revolution mm-hmm, definitely yeah it's insane um i think that's
1: a bit that goes back to what you were saying with uh the two personality Too with conscientiousness and agreeableness, and how those viewpoints are formed. Uh, You have the people who believe in the strong family unit and structure, and you have the people who believe in uh, that more experimental approach that came out of the Cultural Revolution in the 70s. And those are two veins that still live on till this day.
0: Right, and they're, I don't want to say maybe not diametrically opposed, too, but they definitely don't work very well together, I would say. And uh, at the very least, I think that the what's usefulness maybe is the word I'm looking for. The benefits, benefits, okay, benefits of a nuclear family far outweigh that of like this more experimental take, you know, of like just being a single parent or so forth. Because uh, you know, as much as it may get promoted in pop culture from like people on the left, side, I'm a firm believer in that there are very Um, very definite differences between men and women and having, you know, a grown man and a grown woman in the home as the mother and father, I think, uh, provides a lot of very important perspective for growing children that is needed today. That is not necessarily had in many of these homes.
1: Yeah. I think you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who, uh, agrees with the idea that a single parent home is better than a multi-parent home. Like there's just a lot of stress on one parent compared to having two, and then like in addition, like you said, they're different. Your your mom and your dad are different. They have different perspectives on things. They handle things differently. So having those two viewpoints, it really helps the development of the child a lot better. And there's studies on this. There's
0: studies on this. Right. Yeah. Well. Let's move into a little bit of pop culture I guess I'm very upset Harvard Dropout still hasn't dropped and What is
1: happening with Pump man?
0: Dude, what it's it's really starting to concern me it's, It was supposed to have dropped in August Then I got delayed, it was coming in September I think Now it's been delayed, he says it's coming this month in November But, I mean how reliable can that really be? Ah oh, man, Pump He's been coming out with these singles too and they hit And I'm like man, I need I need this music in my life
1: what if he's just, like, he's hyping you up? What if he took, like, a book out of the Kanye approach and said, all right, we're going to drop singles and keep pushing it back and pushing it back? Who knows?
0: I don't know, man. I think think before too long, he's going to have to give that fucking contract money back and just scrap the whole thing.
1: Oof. That, yeah. that would hurt my heart. I
0: need to see this Harvard dropout. Likewise. Remember, right, I'm with you, my friend.
1: Remember when he's at Harvard building snowmen or something? No. <laughs> Yeah, he's in the courtyard building snowmen.
0: <laughs> oh, what a what a fantastic human being! Right, like, first of all,
1: you're from Miami. When have you ever even seen snow? Like, how do you how do you know? <laughs> <what> you do?
0: <laughs> Look, man, it's not it's not too hard. You just make a couple of big old balls of snow and stack them up. It's a great time.
1: It's, it's insane, like. I, I can't wait for uh pump i'm excited for yay even though the community isn't happy happy with yay right now it's whatever he'll make some great music
0: um yeah I was about to say you got any got any other drops that are coming up i've uh i've really only been watching our flow pump have been i don't know kind of like not listening to music as much recently just trying oh, to really? enjoy the silence a little bit more yeah like in car rides and stuff, you know, I used to just like blast music or podcasts all the time, but now I'm just like trying to take my drive like in silence kind of, I'm going to just be more okay with sitting with my own thoughts and so forth. Something I feel like needs to be done more. You know, we live in a, we live in times of like where there's just constant stimulus and input to us. I think, I think we all would do better with just kind of being able to try sitting with ourselves a little bit more.
1: Are you becoming an existentialist,
0: Jack? Oh, I've, I've been having existential crises on and off since I was about 15 years old, so. so i mean yeah i guess i guess some of that still kind of fits in a bit okay all right have you been reading any books about that have you gone down that trail Uh, i mean i would say that i have in the past what what do you mean specifically by that
1: uh let me make sure i have my name right real quick
0: yeah, because existentialism is, uh, if I recall properly off the top of my head, it's the belief that there's no real meaning to the universe. We're all just kind of like here on this planet as a result of evolution. There's no greater meaning to anything. And uh, so, you know, in accordance with that, we just have to try and find and make meanings of our lives in an overall meaningless universe, right? Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: Yeah. Have, um, are you familiar with uh, transcendentalism? Transcendentalism is... Oh, God, I know the word, and a definition is failing me at this moment. So please enlighten us.
1: Don't worry. Uh, I have the Wikipedia page up. I'm not going to pretend like I knew it right now. <laughs> <God. laughs> a core belief of transcendentalism is the inherent goodness of people and nature. Adherents believe that society and its institutions have corrupted the purity of the individual, and they have faith that the people are at their best when they are truly self-reliant and independent. And that's what I thought you were going for with that music approach. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I strongly
0: recommend some Walt Whitman. It's great for that. Yeah, yeah. my uh, my roommate Lee has told me about that quite a bit as well. Uh, shameless Plug right now, if you guys haven't listened to it, it's my roommate. It's been my boy since like second grade. Check it out. Fulton Lee Music. Just got, uh, got an uh, EP release on Spotify with a lot of great stuff on there. It's been really picking up traction. Uh, so go check that out. But... To get back to Transcendentalism, then yeah, I would say that that definitely fits me a lot more. Um, Since I was, I don't know, yeah, probably about 15 or 16, I've had this just like burning desire inside of me to, uh, yeah, you know, be self-reliant. Like I really want to build my own house out in the woods. Like I have this fantasy of like going and clearing out the land and the trees myself and like, you know, building this house, you know. Laying out a foundation, constructing the whole thing, having a garden there, having land that I can go hunt on, being able to like feed myself and you know whatever family it is that I manage to produce, uh, yeah, you know it's definitely definitely something that hits hard for me. Have you thought
1: of how society promotes the opposite of that, mm-hmm. the opposite of self-reliance? They want you to be codependent on, say, the government or these organizations that provide services for you. Mm-hmm. They always want you to buy something purchase something just there's no room anymore for like personal growth and development mm-hmm. in that way and like figuring out who you are in relation to the world around you right for yourself
0: yeah yeah like a,
1: a big reason for that is like google like think about like the information that comes out at you is always like pre-processed. So mm-hmm. you want to know how to do a specific thing. It's there right in front of you.
0: You don't have to go through the steps that it takes to build that thing anymore. Right. You just
1: get what you want when you want it.
0: Right. Well, I, I would say yes and no in terms of like that with Google, I would say that's definitely a thing and uh, <clears throat> maybe reducing critical thinking of people. Uh, exactly. but at the same time, you know, like when I was working construction typically in the trades in the past, like if you were doing construction or being an auto mechanic, whatever, and you were new, you would have to work alongside as an apprentice to a master tradesman who was already very well versed in all these things, you know, like a guy who can, uh, you know, do any kind of construction job, like fix anything you need fixed in your house or fix anything you need fixed in your car. And you would have to sit there and go through the motion start with the basics, work your way up. Um, you know, just sort of gather knowledge from them, watch them, try to do things on your own maybe have them fix your mistakes. But now with YouTube, you can have all of the master tradesmen in your pocket at on demand as long as you have, you know, cell phone service or an Internet connection. So uh, I think that there's a lot of helpfulness there. Like, you know, I wouldn't have to have a second person out there that would be charging more than I am, Uh, you know, like to do a repair so forth. You know, you could just pay me much less money and, you know, maybe a little bit more time. But overall, still going to be much less of a cost to uh, whoever it is that's paying me. To be able to fix yeah. this problem more or less the same as would be done by, oh, you know, a more master tradesman. Of trade course. Man. Of course. Let me ca- clarify my point. When it comes
1: to Google as a platform, it's very helpful. Um, what I fear is that people, when they get this information, they're not developing special specializations anymore. Mm-hmm. They're just uh, getting whatever is fed to them. Mm-hmm. And... That leads to one way of thinking among a lot of individuals, and that groupthink is not good for society. Right. Before you had one master tradesman with this way of approaching a problem, another master tradesman with this way of approaching a problem, and you didn't really get any exposure to other viewpoints. Mm -hmm. So you really mastered that skill set. Right. People aren't mastering skill sets anymore. They're definitely more generalists. Right. And I I think that's a threat
0: really i've i've been thinking about that as well and i don't know whether that's more of a threat or a benefit Uh, it could definitely be a threat in terms of you're right like having everybody kind of having the same group think like the same way to go uh to like troubleshoot a problem to find the solution and you know that could just have errors because if everybody's trying steps a b and c maybe you need to try you know d e and you know j or whatever the fuck. that's not the progression of the alphabet but whatever um it, where was I just going with that thought? Um, but in terms of losing that specialization, I think that what is being lost in specialization can be made up for with technology and people having a more broad, maybe not as refined skill set, could actually be helpful in a lot of ways as well. You know, because instead of having to call in a guy to fix your computer and then a guy to come in and fix your printer because they don't know how to do both, you could just get, you know, this IT guy who can just Google some answers, fix both of them for you and then be out. You know, you get a two-for-one special, as opposed to having two high-rated yeah. individuals you need to come in and pay for. We're
1: circling back now. We're, we're circling all the way back to the beginning, and that's what, that's the solution to automation. People are going to become like that. Right. That's exactly what's going to go down. Wow. Insane. you saying? <laughs> you, I, I have,
0: like, a construction person outside of my door right now. I hope that's not on the feet. Mm-mm. Um, I haven't heard anything.
1: Um crazy thing that's happening at colleges across the nation right
0: now um yeah i don't go so please enlighten me they're selling (laughs) property at record rates um yeah a lot of the infrastructure especially especially at these older colleges Mm -hmm. um they're selling it off because they don't want to renovate it right oh dude uh, i've seen some of those fucking old dorms and shit yeah they are shitty
1: yeah, I, I
0: happen to live in one. It's garbage. <laughs> I think we still have asbestos. Oh my god! Yeah, dude, I was yeah, I was working construction one day, and like, I was uh, we were in this place, and we were demoing the insides, like you know, we're tearing down like all the drywall and insulation and shit. And then we come to this wall, and there's like wood planks kind of boarded up, like behind the drywall. And I was like, "Hey, should I uh, start tearing this down?" And my boss goes, "Oh fuck no!" He's like, "That's an asbestos wall." He's like, "You do not want to touch that." This is a house from, like, the 20s or 30s. It's like, if you break that open, we'll legit have to get, like, a fucking hazmat team out here to come out and quarantine this house. Because what asbestos actually is is, like, a little fine dust. Um, and I can't really find a way to, like, draw this out very well. But I guess, like, I'm kind of holding my fingers, like, together in a web. It's like, it's like this little fine dust with a bunch of tiny hooks on it. So, like, if you were to, like, breathe in some asbestos... What it would do is it would go into your lungs and like hook on to the spongy part of your lung well i mean your lungs aren't like a sponge so just like hook onto your lungs and you know fill it up and i guess it's you know very toxic so it could give you cancer and all kinds of respiratory problems and so forth but yeah. uh yeah super deadly stuff so <laughs> i hope you don't have asbestos in there
1: hopefully it's never disturbed that's what i've been worrying about that's what i've been yeah. about. yeah yeah um
0: they're selling off the property, and now I get 40% off rent right next year. I'm very excited. Holy shit. Yeah, that's, that's a little bit of nice. a nice little chunk of pocket change you get to put back in.
1: Exactly. Um, a little bit back from the, the scam
0: that is college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's something that I've been uh, trying to work through in my head as well, because I was definitely, you know, I dropped out of college half a semester in, because I was like, oh, this is the same thing as high school, but I got to pay for it. Fuck that, especially if I don't know like what it is I'm specifically going for, or feel like I need a degree for that field. Um, You know, like with computer sciences and technologies and so forth. There's definitely a lot of like cheaper certifications you can get. Uh, You know, like teach yourself or like go and take a class on the certification that maybe lasts four or five weeks, costs like you know a couple hundred dollars instead of a couple thousand in tuition for a couple years worth of education. Uh, It may not be as It'll be definitely more specialized, not as diversified as a college course would, but, you know, definitely save you time and money in the long run. But, uh, you know, for things like being a lawyer, a doctor, uh, getting your judiciary degree to become a judge and so forth, those are things where you do need to go to college. Um, You know, engineering and so forth, probably really good for you to go to college, get that degree, make sure you're well-rounded. But, uh, you know, so I wouldn't call those things a scam, but, um, you know, going for, like, business management or business administration stuff like that i like i said i am trying to like lessen my rhetoric on it because i don't know what all goes into fetching that degree but uh i feel like you know it's more of much more of like a personality based thing in terms of like being able to manage people properly and well and i don't think that you need to go drop 50 grand over four years you know at minimum to get this degree, and then could be a business manager. Where, you know, there could be like some sort of shadowing program within businesses, or you know, some sort of uh, extracurriculars—in the right word—but like <clears throat> some sort of out-of-school program where it'll be an accelerated course focusing specifically on that at a much much lower price. That would be more really, beneficial for something along those lines.
1: Really, uh, college is just something that gets. Uh your foot in the door right Mm -hmm. that's what it is for most people like a lot of people aren't really good at building social capital so they go to college get that degree so the degree speaks for them but in reality that's not what gets you to the top at all right it's your ability to network with people and i feel like you have that skill so if you don't need that by all means you really don't need to be a college right yeah it's insane it's insane over here. I'm actually uh,
0: I'm a management information systems major. Whatever that is. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Basically business management and you manage databases, right?
1: At this point, what I'm realizing about it is they teach you some technical work, but the main focus is giving you the mindset to go into the office and manage those people, like you said. After this, I'm going to get a graduate degree in CS because I completely realized that this is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's insane. The job market nowadays, they won't even hear you out unless you have a major that sounds sort of technical with a 3.0 and above. Right. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Right. And I hope that in the future, more and more companies in the job market accept those certifications.
0: Because they're valid yeah well i just saw uh, i only saw the headline of it you know guilty of just reading the headline and nothing else in this article but it said that uh it was google amazon and if i'm not mistaken it was apple no i think it was google amazon and ibm are now accepting people for jobs without college degrees so in my opinion yeah so in my opinion we are going to see in our lifetime um, i don't know whether it'd be in five years 10 years 20 or 30 years but we will see a flip and where you know somebody that has four or five different i.t certifications you know that are all then you know maybe cost 500 to 800 to 1000 bucks a piece you know maybe you're in five grand in total for your education uh, that you just kind of paid out of your own pocket to get these certifications will become more valuable to these companies as opposed to somebody with that college degree that may have like a little bit more uh, rounded knowledge and uh, as well as the specialized knowledge because the person with the college degree will have, you know, their debt, assuming they didn't get all kinds of grants and scholarships and so forth. You know, most people are coming out of college with massive amounts of debt. They're going to be stuck paying off with for years because you can't get rid of that debt without paying it off. Uh, I think we will see them become, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A liability because these companies, you know, Google, Amazon, IBM would have to pay more to this individual with the college degree, because not only do they need to pay for transportation, food, rent, you know, cost of living, and, uh, whatever, whatever various expenses will be there. Right. They'll also have this 200, 300, $400 a month bill that has to go towards their debt. So you could hire this person with the degree for 80 K a year. And you know, that's what they need to be able to survive. Or you could hire this person with these five certifications that will be able to get the job done just the same. You know, maybe you have to teach them a little bit of things here and there, but you could hire them for 60 K a year and you know, save your company 20 K but either individual would still be happy with being hired. Exactly. So exactly. that's what I think we're going to see happen.
1: I completely can, I can see that happening. I can definitely see that happening. Um, Google is insane. Have you heard about the way they organize their company and their work structure?
0: I have not, but I have heard about their uh, censored search engine that we're working on for China and that's a big no, no.
1: Yeah, that's horrible. The employees protested. Yeah. They walked out.
0: Yeah, I saw that, which, is, which was actually very, like, uh, exciting isn't the right word, but uh, gratifying, I guess, for me to see. I was like, oh, thank God. Like, not everybody was just like, yeah, okay, like, that's just what we're doing, I guess. No, people were yeah. actually like, no, fuck this. Like, we're not going to participate in this censorship that's going on in China, which was, like I said, very good.
1: I was talking to a kid from uh, Shenzhen? Yeah, he's from Shenzhen. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me, like, in the States, like, you look at China and you see that they have all these bans on um, information and, like, Facebook and Google. And he told me, like, the citizens just use a VPN and go around it, right. even though it's illegal.
0: Right.
1: And he said, like, what, when it really comes to be a problem is when a major company in China or, say, some big politician, somebody with uh, status. That mm-hmm. can represent the country and influence people starts using it and publicizing it that's when they shut it down but the average citizen does what they want
0: hmm.
1: that's what i've heard that. i that's what i've heard when i asked i have no clue how that actually goes down right. i could be being lied to out in front of my face
0: just right? a disinformation agent operative yeah, of the chinese government true. lying to you yeah, bro we're all fine over here <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's all top-notch no but um that's that's really interesting but you know that that sounds like it's fine and okay but at the same time if you're having this person who would have the uh the political clout to go in and start changing things in terms of this censorship in China and they you know I guess what you're saying is like they start publicizing they're using a VPN and uh you know getting around the censorship and saying you know we we as citizens should be able to do this and then they get like blackballed I guess from the politics
1: yeah, it it happened to a famous actor re- actress recently, um, like Fang B or something like that, something like that. I have no clue. And she uh she was publicizing basically Western values, and then she got got on tax evasion. they will get you for any small thing. Yep. Any little thing they can.
0: Right. Jeez, man.
1: Yeah, it's a threat to their uh, to their way of life, to their government structure. They can't
0: have that. Right. I mean, they're still a communist regime and not only are they a communist regime, they are a massive world superpower as well. So. I think that's the biggest threat
1: to China right now. When they're, it's not if at this point, if you've looked at the Chinese economy recently, they're going through quite a bit of trouble. Just not only due to the trade war, but the fact that uh, their real estate is a big
0: problem. Um, Really? It's expensive and, people aren't living in it right it's sunk cost
1: um when their economy falters people are going to be angry and whether or not they push for change hard enough determines whether or not they remain a communist regime
0: Mm -hmm. the people of hong kong who used to be owned by the british Mm -hmm. um
1: they're already up in arms they've been up in arms since they've been back under chinese rule basically and uh they're losing the people in the far west as well with the mongolians Mm -hmm. and those type of people um and they're going through extensive efforts to reform them back to main chinese culture i just don't see it working with one point with the billions of people that they have right i i feel like they're in for huge cultural change within the next 50 to 60 years and i i honestly think they're not
0: as big as a threat as we make them out to be but they don't play fair in the trade war they really don't right so i've heard i've heard uh similar things but i've also heard that you know their their economy is booming they're going to become like the next world superpower to surpass the us um i know that them and russia uh probably about eight months ago now i think it was back in march they both switched back over to a gold standard for their currency Mm -hmm. to try and hedge against the fall of the us dollar which i guess they were counting on which at this point seems really realistic given the amount of debt that we have in the u.s i was just listening i think it was ben shapiro's podcast oh i was listening to yesterday they were talking he was talking about um how i think it was ben shapiro how the payments for interest on u.s debt will soon surpass the cost of military spending in the u.s which is already like yeah a billion dollars or so or like much more than a, much more than a billion dollars I think it's like 800 billion 800 right somewhere around yeah there. Yeah. yeah yeah so contract. yeah so we're going to be paying close to a trillion dollars just in interest on our debt which is i mean just fucking insane absolutely um, right? yeah so you know i heard they switched back to a gold standard to try and hedge against that uh with their own currency but then like you said i've also heard that maybe not so much for russia but china definitely you know russia doesn't have that much output in terms of their gdp um but yeah yeah. economies like the size of italy yeah something like that or like less than the size of just california alone yeah
1: it's insane um the thing that we have to look out for when they switch back to that gold standard is uh the rest of the world still very much trades in the dollar. Right. And they trade in the dollar because we have the oil standard. Right. we're the reason you can trade oil from Saudi Arabia to
0: Britain and yep. everything goes smooth. Yeah, we get the petrodollar. Exactly. And um
1: with our Keystone XL and like our exports worldwide, I think we're secure. I honestly think that uh what backs the dollar more than just uh our debt is uh how stable our democracy is and how stable our values are compared to the rest of the world mm-hmm. china could always go through some some civil war for instance and that would be that their currency would be worth less than it is now and right. currently being the value the u.s dollar we implemented quantitative easing in '08. Which should have definitely... Not have happened. Brought, yeah, nothing happened.
0: <laughs> nothing happened. Because our debt is denominated in our own currency. Right. And when that's the case, we could always just manipulate it via the Federal Reserve. Right, well, quantitative easing for, you know, people that may not be as informed is just basically pumping out fucking fun coupon U.S. dollars from the Federal Reserve. Because nice. they could just print money without any backing to it because we we don't have a gold backing for our fiat currency. So, like... It used to be back before we went on the gold standard that when they issued these dollar notes, um, you would be able to like take the dollar, go to the federal reserve itself, walk up to a little kiosk or you know window or whatever, say, hey, I have this stack of 10 $1 bills. I would like to exchange this for the equivalent in gold. And they would be able to exchange that so you would be able to have this gold in your hands, take it home and have that. But since we moved off of the gold standard, and luckily the world has adopted our US dollar sort of economy hasn't fallen because we were the world superpower at the time um, Now we just we operate solely with the US dollar So you can't go into that window with the Federal Reserve anymore And what the Federal Reserve is able to do is just literally print more money to dump into the economy, which causes uh, Inflation because you know, there may be more dollars available but just because there's more dollars available if there's nothing to value them against there's just more dollars to spend things on so prices of goods will go up to be able to uh you know take some sort of profit from this quantitative the whole
1: way that they're able to do this is they say well the future uh citizens of america will pay for it um, <laughs> and what they do is they issue treasury bonds and they say when those bonds mature you can sell them
0: but they're really long-term bonds right like 15 10 16, 15 20 year bonds
1: exactly exactly which means they can keep printing money keep printing it as long as nobody sells their bonds
0: they're fine right it's,
1: it's insane it's yeah. like a big credit card <laughs> yeah.
0: which still like just always baffles me because it's with a credit card you're literally just getting this imaginary money like out of nowhere you're just pulling it out of your asshole you're just getting this little plastic card that says yep here this one you have a thousand dollars to spend on this one and you got to pay it back and this is probably just me being more uninformed than anything because i haven't done too much research into credit card companies but yeah i mean they're kind of like just making money up out of nowhere i'm sure they have some sort of like backing to it or way that they could uh you know um compensate the money but in my mind you know again this is without any information but i would assume that these credit card companies have way more money put out and they do have actually backing it to be able to you know, protect against a collapse of their company or something You're like that. You're absolutely starts. right. There are, uh, there's a factor that says uh, you need this much physical capital for this much money loaned out, right. created. Well, I know that for that banks, I know that for banks specifically, it's called fractional reserve banking, and it allows yeah. them to loan out money at 10 times the amount that uh, they, were, they have deposited. So say you walk into a bank, you deposit $100,000 into your bank account the bank can turn around to ten different people and loan out one hundred thousand dollars, you know, because obviously they go through various credit checks and so forth. Uh, you know, you make sure that they're gonna be able to pay back their payments as they say. If it's gonna be, you know, maybe they're not as good of an investment to loan money out to, like not as trustworthy of a person, they'll have higher interest rates. So the bank will wind up getting more money back. But that's just all operating under the assumption these people will be able to pay their money back. So if this bank does loan out, you know, a million dollars. Five people default on their loans, they're not able to pay them back. They declare bankruptcy because their business venture, whatever they were trying to do, was falter, you know faltered and just didn't succeed. Um, then you know they still only have this one hundred thousand dollars to pay back. It's now five hundred thousand um, dollars. You know that's I get. Well, I guess you would have the five hundred thousand dollars from the other individuals that took out those loans, but that's not going to come back at once. So exactly, then the bank fails. Right, the bank fails eventually. So that's it what happened in the to Great be- Depression. There was a bank run all across the country. And, you know, everybody's like, holy shit, I you not get my money out. And then, you know, only a certain amount of people were able to get their money out before they all just had to like shut their door and be like, Nope, we're out of cash. Bye. Peace. Exactly. And I the think after that money. is when, uh, the FDIC insurance came in, uh, like exactly. guaranteeing up to $250,000 of your deposits will be available no matter what, like guaranteed by the government. Yeah. Um, that was, uh,
1: you know about AIG, right? Um, the, the banks during 2008 and they fell because uh Lehman Brothers failed and they couldn't insure Lehman Brothers. Right. And if they can't insure Lehman Brothers, then they can't insure the rest of the banks.
0: Yep. So
1: it's crazy. It's
0: yeah, was wasn't Lehman Brothers like the the one of either one of the or the biggest bank at the time?
1: They were one of the biggest banks. At the time. Yeah. I I don't think they were uh as big as uh JP Morgan Chase. There you go yeah yeah, lehman brothers bear stearns those guys were insane yeah. um yeah it, it's scary because when you look back at it we didn't really make very many changes besides implementing quantitative easing and then uh a couple of regulations that are being rolled back more and more there's no problem with that i think we're detached enough from 2008 that we can roll back some regulations but um I just don't think we're prepared for another economic disaster
0: again. Well, what, what caused the financial downturn in 2008 for, again, those listeners, that may not be as well informed or like just read up on this as much, was <clears throat> banks were giving out uh, mortgages in what's called ninja loans. So that's no income, no job, no assets. And so what this means is like, you know, when you went in to apply for your loan, they wouldn't necessarily ask for proof of income to be able to show that you're going to be able to pay this four thousand dollar a month mortgage that you're going to have to pay or you know whatever it may be um, you didn't have to prove that you had a job or a job that was high paying enough to be able to pay this off then you didn't have to prove that you had assets backing it that the bank could seize in the event that you were not able to pay these loans so you'd have like you know i just to give an example like a janitor walking in saying hey I want to get a nice new house you know the market seems prime right now looks like prices are good looks like it's gonna keep going up they would get this two hundred and fifty thousand dollar home you know that would I guess at the time it probably wasn't too expensive you know you get a low interest rate low mortgage payment and so forth that you know you could stretch over thirty four years or twenty thirty and it would be on a variable rate mortgage and then what happened is these banks would take like say twenty fifty a hundred of these loans bundle them all together in a package because that would mean that you have, you know, if they're all a thousand dollar a month mortgages. You bundle a thousand of them together each month. You're going to be receiving uh, fuck. What's the math on that hundred thousand dollars, right? A million dollars, whatever the hell it is. I don't know. It's too early for that, um, but you know, it'd just be these steady streams of payments. It's going to equate to, you know, X amount at the end of the payments when they're, you know, done being paid off. So the exactly. banks would take these packages and sell them to other banks. And uh, they would be able to rate these. I think it's like double A through D. Yeah, and so would be the tranches. For them. That's what <coughs> about. Yeah, and so they would rate these, um, these package, these bundles much higher than they should have been rated, because they were, in fact, no income, no job, no asset. But that was just kind of swept under the table and ignored by a lot of people. So these banks were just playing hot potato with these things, and eventually, you know, after a year, two years, a couple months, whatever the hell it was, these people that got these massive loans stopped being able to pay off their mortgages um so these banks that had bought these bundles stopped receiving their payments they then had to declare uh you know these people would have to declare bankruptcy um tell these people that couldn't pay off you know tell these banks they couldn't pay off the loans and so forth and so all this stream of income that was just coming in just immediately stopped and so once that started happening people started selling things off to try and you know um capture their stake in the market they had at the time and so you just saw everything tumble like you know 23rd percent whatever the hell it was at the time yeah
1: exactly you have that completely on point. Um, And after that, the real estate market got a lot more regulated. You try to go and buy a house now, you need proof of income, you need a good credit history. You need all of that to be approved by the bank that you're getting the money from. No more of this funny business where you go to an agency, they pre-approve you and you get the deal right there. The problem is where they bundled those uh, securities together, that's
0: still being done. Mm-hmm. And it's rebounded a lot since 2008,
1: specifically in the business sector. So you see all these new businesses popping up. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are funded on loans. And they'll bunch those loans together and sell those securities at, in the same manner yeah. that they did back in zero eight with the Right. The difference is that it's a business. So it might pay off. But most new businesses fail. That's what I'm worried about. Right. I may be a nutcase. You never know.
0: But Dude, I think the same think. thing about myself all the time. But um, from what you're saying in terms of China and real estate and how people are buying a bunch of real estate and it's not being occupied and that's going to cause some economic turmoil, that sounds very close to what happened to the U.S. in 2008. Do you think there's any similarities going on there? I don't know much about Chinese banking or their economics, unfortunately. Um,
1: I think the biggest difference between China and us is they bought those buildings... With the intent of renting those out to people who would have money because their economy is doing well mm-hmm. and what they found is that although it 's getting better, there're not enough people with enough money to fill those high class condos that they 're building right it's, it's more similar to a, say a Brazil or a Russia. they tried the same thing. If you go to Russia right now I 'm um, very good friends with a guy from Moscow. Um, You can go to say uh Saint Petersburg and see that there's just housing there and no one's occupying it. Just stacks on stacks of housing. Mm -hmm. And that's because it was too expensive Mm -hmm. for people after that collapse in the nineties.
0: Right. So I mean that's just some cost for all those people that own those buildings then. You know, I'm sure they still have property taxes and payments they're making on those and so forth. So yeah, I don't know. That'll be uh, very interesting to see what goes on with that. I guess hopefully it yeah. won't cause another worldwide economic downturn.
1: <laughs> hopefully, I'm I'm worried. I'm really worried that this there's a global. I wouldn't call it. I call it a global correction. That's what's happening right mm-hmm. now, and I'm very worried about how that might affect the U.S. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm not really opposed to the trade war and the current uh, isolationism that's going on in the U.S. because I don't want to be exposed to those global pressures. Right.
0: I just don't. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well,
1: feeling
0: good, man. Oh, I'm feeling nice. Feeling been good. A
1: great talk. It's been That's good. what
0: I'm saying. Yeah, no, I think it's, uh, it's been an hour and 15 minutes, probably about time to wrap this up. You got anything you want to plug Twitter, social media, anything like that? Um, nope, nothing, nothing as of now. <laughs> All right. Word. Well, then uh, it's been a great talk and we'll have to do this again, my dude. Anytime. Peace. All right. Peace out.